Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello and welcome to another exciting episode of the Open World Podcast. I'm so glad that you've been able to join me today. In this interview, I'm joined by my friend Amar Ghosh. Ah, shit, did I say that right? Ghosh? Uh, it's actually Ghosh. The, uh, the H at the, uh, or there, there's no H at the end, but it, there should be. Ghosh. Ghosh, okay. Do you want me to start over or should I just keep going? Let's just keep going, shall we? <laughs> yeah, keep going. No, no worries. It's not. A, it's not an easy one to 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 get without uh, without asking first. So, <laughs> so Amar Ghosh, he's the founder of ZenMade, ZenMade.com, and it's a calendar and scheduling application for maid services. He went from being a part-time valet driver in Silicon Valley four years ago to now starting his own successful software as a service company. He has uh, he has over two hundred customers now. He's traveling the world. We met recently in Bangkok, and needless to say, he's doing quite well. This was a side hustle for three years. Now it's a full-time hustle. I've had a chance to talk with him a couple times. He's a very smart guy, and I know he's going to have a ton of insights to share with us, so I'm already brewing with excitement at the prospect of chatting with him. We're going to discuss exactly how he created a successful software as a service business, how he decided on this niche, uh, and a lot of stuff we're going to talk about will apply to any type of business. We're going to talk about how he's been able to scale this up and get so many customers. We'll discuss marketing, lead generation, entrepreneurship, and hopefully have some time to talk a little bit about travel as well. So, Amar Ghosh, thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me, Danny. It was uh, it was great getting to uh, to hang out in Bangkok. Uh, I guess it was a couple a couple weeks ago at this point, actually. Yeah, it was so much fun. I'm so glad that I could meet you, and uh, you actually sat in on the discussion we had with uh, Poppy, another interesting guy. Yeah, it was it was pretty cool. I I remember uh, you were you were saying I had to I had to type quietly so you guys wouldn't wouldn't pick up on the on the typing sounds for the uh, for, for the podcast. But that was a lot of fun to listen in on. Oh, but what an office that was, though, huh? That view. Oh, that view is amazing. 360 view from the state tower, 39th floor of Bangkok, windows all around. Uh, you never want to leave, do you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. That was my uh, my last day in Bangkok. Um, uh, yeah, for like for listeners, when I when I met Danny, I was flying out. I think at like 10 p.m. like that night, and I definitely I definitely wanted to, wanted to skip that flight. <laughs> so Amar, I know a little bit about you, but uh, perhaps you could introduce me. Introduce yourself in your own words. Tell me and listeners a little bit about your backstory, your bio, where you came from, exactly. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so I uh, I grew up in Silicon Valley. Actually, I grew up in um, in in Palo Alto, a couple miles away from Google and Facebook and LinkedIn and all all their like headquarters and stuff. Um, and so. Uh, for some reason, like software, well, not for some reason, I think for that reason, like software always seemed to be like something that I could see myself like, you know, getting into at uh, at some point. But, um, you know, like so many other people, 
it took a while to uh, to to get there. So yeah, it was um it wasn't four years ago, but it was um it was a little little bit longer than that that I was working as a valet here. That was after college. I came back. I was working as a valet. Um, I ended up going from that to uh, to a sales position, and then while I was um, do you doing this like the sales position, I actually started a maid service um, after reading a uh, thread on um, on Reddit. I don't know how many people know Reddit, but um, I read a thread on Reddit from a guy who was starting a maid service in, I think it was 28 days, and I just followed uh, everything that he did, like step by step, and started my own maid service with uh, with a friend of mine, and we did that for I think it was about 14 months, and it was cool. We got a lot of experience. We made a ton of mistakes. Um, didn't really get all of our paperwork, I think, in like an order as maybe we should have, and so we decided to really close down before we got like penalized for uh, for anything, and pretty much from there, there, I partnered with a friend and started uh, started Zenmade, and so that was uh, four and a half years ago at this point. And uh, what Zenmade does is we help maid services to actually manage their calendar and their appointments and all of that stuff. So it's like it's business to business. We don't work with the actual cleaning customer, but we help all of the businesses to manage like all of their customer information, and we do some like automatic reminders and uh, stuff like that. It's essentially uh, an ultra specialized Google Calendar for like for maid services. This is very fascinating, your journey and your progression. And I guess my first question is, what was it that made you progress from, you know, your humble station as a valet driver to being an entrepreneur? I mean, what was it that separated you from, let's say, your coworkers, for instance, who are probably still working as valet drivers, many of them, or some other service type industry? Yeah, uh, I, I read the four-hour work week you know, soon after <laughs> it. Uh, yeah, soon after it came out, I'm sure a lot of people have. Um, and when I read it, I was actually playing poker um, on uh, online and was making money. And I had friends that were in Costa Rica and were making money from there and stuff. And so when I read the four-hour work week, like it just planted the seed in my head, and like I could already see people that were actually doing it. So like even when I was a valet driver, like honestly, you know, looking back on it, like when I was a valet driver, that's when I actually had the most time to put into like to self-development. You know, I was doing CrossFit like five times a week and on a really good diet and getting like a ton of sleep and I was just working like five hours a day and had like, you know, a really great like schedule and balance of everything. I was just really poor and like, you know, had to be in uh, in San Jose, which I'm not the, the biggest fan of. So, you know, life's life's a lot better now, but, uh, you know. Yeah, that's great. So that's actually a great hint there because um, there's a quote out there that says you will be the same person you are. Uh, five years from now, except for the books that you read and the people that you meet. So it sounds like you have oh, interesting. both of those working for you, right? Yeah, that, sound, that sounds exactly right. <laughs> so what were the early days of this like? You know, How did you start this from nothing? Did you have any um, background in uh, web skills or programming? No, so actually, so I'm I'm not a developer. That I'm actually not technical um, at all. I'm the uh, the sales and marketing guy, and because of my experience previously running a maid service, and I mentioned that I was doing sales for um, was actually for a startup in San Francisco. Uh, my friend who was a developer like took a look at what needed to be done. And agreed to partner with me on it. So he's my uh, he's my business partner, and he's actually the um, yeah the, the developer. But we had like a um, 
like a course that we that we sort of followed uh, that was about you know developing a software product from from scratch and so it was a lot of cold outreach, a lot of cold calls for me where I was talking to made service owners before we even started to build like the product. And then we built it based on like the feedback of the people we were talking to combined with like my knowledge of the industry. In those early days, like the first year or so, did you ever feel really, I guess, unconfident like this wouldn't work, you know, because like I feel every entrepreneur does that, you know, you're venturing into new ground, even Bill Gates, uh, went back for a semester when he was starting Microsoft because he didn't know that Microsoft would be the juggernaut that it was. In those early days, you really can't predict the future. Did you ever uh, experience like doubt or think that you know maybe this isn't going to work out? Yeah, definitely. I mean, in fact, I, I would say like well into the second year, even early into the third year, it sometimes felt like that, you know, that we were um, we were a, a bootstrapped business. We still are a bootstrap business and we've been full time on ZenMade for less than I think two years for like a year and a half that we've both actually been full time on it, me and my business partners. So uh, there have been multiple times along the way where we've uh, where we've doubted it. And tell me a little bit about your ideation process. You know, how do you how do you come up with ideas? How did you decide on this product and this niche to start with? Uh, so, so mainly it was um, I was looking for something like entrepreneurial that I was usually working on something on like the side that's been a habit since I was you know probably like a teenager, uh, and I found like this you know this sort of like model to to build like a maid service. Uh, you know, using a lot of like online marketing and stuff like that. And it was just me and a friend looked at it and we're just like, yeah, we're, we're going to do it. You know, we're, we're just going to like get it done and we're going to see, see what happens. And so that was really how we just got into it in the beginning. And, um, and uh, from from there, when we were starting the software, it just made sense to start with like with that industry because that was um, you know the industry that I knew, and that it was much easier for me to get a foot in the door on phone calls because you know I used to run a maid service, right? So it made people a lot more willing to talk to me than just some random guy calling. So walk me through that early sales process. You know, how were you finding prospects? How were you setting up these conversations? Were you was that your main priority? Is this to have a bunch of different conversations with people? Yes, that was absolutely the main priority. So what we did was I had a virtual assistant who went through and pulled contact information off of Yelp. She would just look up maid service in different, uh, different zip codes. And um, we would we would send them uh, we would send them cold emails and try to um, to set up a call or to gauge how happy they were with like their current uh, scheduling solution. And then I would also uh, you know I, I would I would uh, take calls with anyone that responded and was interested in talking to us. And then I would also like cold call or, or not cold call. I, I would follow up on all the people that we cold emailed. And. Uh Walk me through those discussions, you know, how did you, because I know at, in the beginning you have to do things that don't scale. At this point you have a really excellent sales page and website, but in those early days, you know, what kind of, um, you know, what kind of objections were you getting from people, you know, what kind of questions were you getting, you know, how did you satisfy those and ultimately land clients? Definitely. So. 
in the beginning when I was talking to people, it was really more for like customer development or feedback. It wasn't really a sales call uh, quite yet that usually I was getting people uh, I was getting people on the phone and chatting with them about uh, what they were currently doing in their business, right? Of trying to do like a deep dive into what was taking them too much time, like with their scheduling, what they hated about their current software, and pretty much about that. And then uh, trying to find out from what they would tell me what they were looking for in a software. And of course, we've learned a lot that what people say is not actually what like what they want. But it, you know, it was hard to know that at that time with like with our experience level and stuff. But that that was the point of the initial calls. And then Amara, once me, we can you tell me a bit yeah. about that? Because um, you just you just brushed over that really quickly. But uh, what, what did you mean when people said uh, what they what they said they want is not what they actually wanted? Well, for for example, we had one person, the very first person to pay us any money for ZenMade. She paid us $1,000 uh, for lifetime access to the software uh, because she liked what she saw. She, she'd seen like enough of our calendar and saw where we were going. And so, you know, I made like the sales pitch and she, she sat here and paid us and she requested like it was three different features that took my business partner Arun quite a bit of time to code up and two of the three features she never used and like one of them I think 95% of our customers like never used or touched and we eventually just removed it like from the software and you just you, you had you had some things like that like a big thing was everyone like even to this day they insist that we have a mobile app but when we show them how mobile friendly the software is and how it still like accomplishes all of the the things that they actually want to do from a mobile app, you know, then they all like, you know, turn around and end up like buying from us, for example, right? So people tell us they want the app, but they actually want the functionality. They don't care whether it's an app or whether it's delivered smoothly through like a Chrome browser. Okay, so that's one example, and I take it that an application would have been uh, too difficult for you to create or... Oh, we just haven't gotten there yet. I mean, that, that's re that's really it. You know, we've we've got limited resources, just like every other business, and so hopefully we'll have one by like the end of the year. You know, we understand why people like want it, but the truth is that the only reason we're going to build an app is because people say they want an app, and we do have people that just like discount us because we don't technically have one. So you know, we'll we'll build one. It's just um, uh, we, we've got some more important features to build first. Yeah, exactly. That's a great point is being able to prioritize because you know, I have a lot of coaches and consultants who come to me saying, oh, you need to do this, this and this. And I'm just like, well, that's, you know, that's nice, but that's not really my priority right now. Yeah. Yeah. And so I really like this process. Like this is what I recommend to every person that I consult with is first, you need to have as many conversations with people in the early days as you can. And like you said, just get feedback, understand their needs, their pain points, their wants. And the problem is I think most people, most entrepreneurs, especially fresh entrepreneurs, they don't understand their market at all. They don't understand their message. They just say that, oh, well, anybody could benefit from this. You know, it's for everybody. And it's like, I know, but I need you to, to think differently. You need to be able to target. You need to be able to understand how to communicate with these people. And they just don't know how. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So, so tell me um, what's next. You, you were uh, about to continue before and I interrupted you. Sorry about that. <laughs> Uh, where was I? I don't know. Oh, um, well, you're were, you were walking me through some of these calls. So I, I would like to know, um, you know, you got your first customer. She paid you $1,000. Um, 
how did you get to your first 10? And then from there, how did you go to, you know, think in terms of 10, like 200, for example? Okay. Yeah. Good question. So the first, um, the first 10 were all from cold email or cold calls. Um, <clears throat> what's interesting is that quite a few of the people that I spoke with initially that give me, that gave me really great feedback and told me a lot about their businesses and stuff ended up like not signing up for our software. We actually had the, the very first lady that ever gave me like a positive response about Zenmade. She signed up for our software four years after our first conversation. Like I looked it up and like took a photo with her because I met her in person like a couple months like after she signed up for our software. Um, but yeah, so, so she, she was one. Um, but pretty much we, we did cold calling and cold email to get up to 10. Um, getting from 10 to like 25 or 50 was a combination of cold calls, cold emailing. And then we, we got a little bit lucky and landed like an informal partnership with, um, with one of the industry consultants. And so she probably introduced us to like 20 or 25 of our like first 50 customers. And then, um, trying to think, I don't think 50 to a hundred was, was, was too different. I think from there we, we began to do a little bit more like marketing and like, and stuff like that. Maybe we began to add in a little bit of like of paid advertising, but then from like, um, yeah, probably from like 50 all the way up to like to 200. It was, it's mainly been uh, been paid advertising that we do paid advertising and then um, a ton of like of content marketing and like lead nurture stuff that we can like that we can talk about. But all of our new traffic comes from paid ads. I love it. So you just provided like a blueprint for going from first 10 to first 50 to beyond. Basically, you started with one on one calls, uh, cold calls, cold emails, and then doing consultations, I take it, and closing them one-on-one, -on -one, right? Uh, yes, exactly. I, I was closing people one-on-one -on -one all the way into the, well into the 100 range. In fact, I'm actually uh, going to be getting back to that again here in the next couple weeks. Not not long term, but it's because I want to uh, to like to revisit the market and make sure that like both me and my business partner are still in touch like with our users' needs. Right, that it's it's important to, to stay like one on one with the customers even when we get to this size. That's great advice here. Sorry for the delay, but I'm just taking notes here because uh, this is really useful advice. So. Um, you, you need to be in touch with the market. You need to understand their needs. You need to be in front of them. You need to be talking to them. And um, and then you mentioned that going from 10 to 25 to 50 was through a partnership. So do you do like affiliate partnerships? Like do you offer some kind of reward in exchange for referrals? Uh, we... We set that up recently. We don't actually have that agreement with with anyone. Uh, we do a lot of partnerships. They're just not technically affiliate partnerships. Um, but yeah, we 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 use like influencer marketing and, uh, and and partnerships like quite a bit because it's a pretty small industry. So there's only there's like five to ten maybe industry consultants and like you know real like influencers and we're we're in pretty good touch like with all of them. But right now we don't we don't kick them back any money for recommending us. So do you have any tips for uh, for others? You know, to uh, maybe they could benefit from this strategy as well, and you know, get influencers on board. Anything that uh, any advice you could share? 
Uh, yeah, definitely. So what I would focus on is focus on on building a uh, building like an email list and building a, a following for your business, which of course, like you should be doing in order to sell your product. But um, use that as like a tool to earn like the goodwill of um, of like influencers in the industry. So what I did for ZenMate is um, I started when I would find good stuff from you know consultants in the industry or if they were having a sale or there was something going on, um, I would send out emails to my list right about like those things and essentially send them traffic and so of course you know they see a little spike in traffic they ask people how they heard about them and you know people say zen made right um but what we did was we built our email list to the point and i have like really really strong email marketing but our email list is to the point now that i think it's bigger than all but one of the industry consultants and so of course that took a lot of time but now that we're there like I'm literally like the person to go to in order, uh, you know, to, to get like the most exposure in like in our industry, right? Someone wants to sell out an event, they come to me. And so that's, of course, a very powerful like spot to, uh, to, to, to be in. But really what it was is it was just building up the email list over time and just uh, sending people over to like true quality stuff from the people that you want to connect with. So in those early days, exactly how did you build that email list and that following, and how did you do it um, as a bootstrapped entrepreneur? So I just, uh, I feel like I actually got lucky there. So that's something that like now if I was going to start the company or if I was going to start over or if I was going to... Um, uh, yeah, like start over or just start a brand like new company. Uh, I would do this a lot more intentionally, but essentially what happened was when I started, I put up like a quick little, uh, lead magnet pop up on our website and I never really thought twice about it, but it ended up getting a lot of downloads. Like when I checked it a couple months later, um, and so that was like the start of our email and our content marketing. So that resource was, when when I was running my maid service, I used Google AdWords. And so I went through and I found all of the keywords that like a maid service should be ranking for, right? And of course, like maid services are all the same. The only thing that differs is like the location, which Google can handle. So what I did was I gave out a free spreadsheet. It was just a free download with all of the keywords that a maid service should try to rank for. And so like to this day, I mean, that that resource has been downloaded by something like 2,000 or 2,500, you know, maid services since we started this business. Well, and that's basically just something that you can create uh, in a single afternoon. It's digital. It costs nothing to reproduce. It's just basically just some helpful information, right? That's all it is? Yeah, exactly. Excellent. I mean, they could find that out themselves, but, you know, you, you just <laughs> actually do it. And, um, and what did you use to create the landing page that, that delivered um, the magnet? So the lead magnet, I mean, I, I'm really one to like to keep things to keep things simple. I mean, it's probably just because like I'm, I'm lazy, but uh, especially in the beginning, I'm all about just getting things like out there. So I think that when I started, I think that it was literally 
I think I went with the lowest tech way possible, which was if you want this, just send me an email. Here's my email address and I'll send you back like the, the spreadsheet. And the spreadsheet was just a link to a Google spreadsheet that was view only that they could just copy and uh, and paste. And I think now it's delivered automatically, probably through Sumo Me or uh, or lead pages. And so now, you know, they enter their email and, uh, you know, it just gets sent to them automatically as like an actual um, attachment or we're a little bit more professional these days than, than I was when I started, you know. But but you're still lazy though, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so funny. So that's interesting. So it's just like, okay, email me and I'll send it to you. And uh, now you actually have new lead magnets. And I, I like what you have on your site. It's really well put together. Like I can tell that you understand your market so well. You understand how to convert these people so well. I love the case studies. I love this little pop-up that says... Uh, I don't know. I don't know her name, but so and so, like some one of your customers, got her first uh, new customer within 17 minutes. I think it was of using your yes. service. Yes, Lashonda. Lashonda. Yeah, I love that. That's perfect. Do, do you have anything you want to add, or it, it's? Uh... Um. Or tell me about uh, tell me about that because you you have um, yeah, and you make this great promise, and then you have a great offer, and um, I think it's really effective. Is it, is it converting really well for you? Yeah, it does. It converts really well. Um, right now, to be uh, to be like completely like honest and transparent, we're having a little bit of an issue with converting people. That once they once they sign up for the free trial, just recently, the past like two months, they haven't been converting from a trial to a paying customer anywhere near as much as they were before. So that's what we're like tackling and like and focused on um, right now. But the website that you're looking at converts like crazy. Like I get a ton of email addresses um from there it's something like i think we're closing on like on 20 percent of visitors that give us their uh, their email address and then um and then a pretty pretty solid percentage sign up for for a trial and our, our biggest strength right now actually so we've we've got a lot or not a lot we've got a decent amount of traffic like coming in and the site like converts well but the biggest thing is that once they join our email list uh, we try to get them into like our Facebook community and we offer just a ton of resources that are free uh, to like to keep them around and like reading our stuff and eventually get them into uh, into our Facebook group so like once they're in our our email funnel I mean I think it's close to like, I think it's more than one in three people that that join our email list sign up for a trial of our software at some point after that. So, um, you know, it, we, we've got some some good like content like marketing um, going on. But I think I was, I was telling you this in Bangkok that I'm I'm trying to learn a ton from you and like an open world and everything because I I love the way that you're approaching things. Well, here's my train of thought right now because this pre presents an interesting dilemma, and that is. Uh, should we charge something up front? You know, it's I, with my service. Uh, I have a product service, and it's only a year old, so it's not as big as yours. But I will only work with people if they present a deposit first, and uh, I'm happy to offer them, you know, like two weeks or three weeks for free. But yeah. I also want to keep those tire kickers away. I just feel like it's going to waste my time, and I feel like, you know, you get people in your email list, and then they're they're not signing up. That's almost like a waste of your time and effort, isn't it? No, so it's no. not. And the okay. reason is, is because you can set up the email funnels one time. So what happens is if you or any of the listeners right now were to go to zenmade.com and to sign up for my email list, they would get emails from me 
for the next, I think it's two years. And that's if I get hit by a bus tomorrow, they will get emails from me for the next like two years until like my credit card expires and like the email marketing software like shuts down. Right. So the whole thing is that once you have that set up and if you focus on like, you know, setting up those emails to sell or to nurture people so they approach you when they're ready. Right. Because the thing is, a lot of people that are finding out about your service, they might be great fits for your service. They may just not need you for like for another year either because like their business isn't ready for it or because they signed a contract with another provider or whatever it may be and once you have that email set up getting that person on your email list it doesn't cost you any more time any more ever you you never have to think about that person but you can nurture them for two years until like they're ready so it's not really a waste of any effort on your part okay very good point there so let me ask you the next question you said you have two years of email content can you walk me through what that uh, follow-up looks like? How often do you contact them? How did you create so much content? Yeah, definitely. So um, I created the content. So it's really one email at a time. And then at some point I went through and like evaluated, you know, everything that I had created and sort of reordered some stuff and rewrote some stuff. But it's not like I started out thinking that I was going to write a two year, a two year funnel, like that would be insane, right? Like I literally just started one lead magnet and one email like at a time. So now what my, um, what my funnel looks like and the beginning of it is very similar to a system that John Lee Dumas, um, teaches, uh, but essentially, when someone signs up for my email list, usually they're getting a lead magnet that is being sent into their email right when they sign up. So I think that at the same time or like maybe a couple hours after, I send them an email that's like your free gifts from Zenmade. And in that email, it just links them to like. I think it's like six or seven links of just different things of value that we offer. And the goal is for them to download like one more lead magnet from us or to get them to click over and to read another article and really to just like hammer our brand like home, you know, in, in their heads. Right. So we, um, we put in quite a few links there and the idea is to just get one of them to pique their interest, to get them to move on. Um, then we send them, I think it's two or three content emails and then we send them a very like hard sales letter. And so that's like the fourth or fifth email. And so with that email, I started off by saying, Hey, you know, you've, you've been on our email list for a little bit now. You've seen that we send out a lot of, uh, of great content. You know, we're here to help your guys' like maid services. And today I want to talk to you about like, you know, the, the one way that we actually charge money for helping you guys. And then I go into a hard sales pitch like of Zenmade and I let them know like this is one of the few times that I'm going to sit here and like blatantly talk about this. But just so you guys know, this is another way that we can help you. And so to do like the, the sort of the harder like sales pitch and that's trying to get them to go back to the website and to um, to sign up for a trial uh, if they haven't like done so already. And then um, all of those emails are happening over maybe a maybe like an eight or ten day period. So it's every it's every like like two days or so um, that the emails are like are going out. And then after that, it slows down like quite a bit. And pretty much it's like every I think I send another like one or two emails after that that are content emails. And then it goes to um, yeah, to content emails like every like two weeks or something from from then for for the next like, you know, two years or whatever. And it's just random like content and stuff that I've uh, that I've just written over time. Excellent. So 
uh, what you're doing here is um, when they sign up, they receive the lead magnet, and then you provide them six or seven links with additional value, and these are just articles to your blog or something like that, right? So what I actually do, um, which I think is a really cool idea for those of you guys listening that have multiple lead magnets, is so the point of most lead magnets is to get the person's email address, right? Unless you're doing like more advanced marketing where, you know, when they, they get a specific lead magnet, you send them a specific like series. Most of my lead magnets are general lead magnets. So as soon as I get their email address, all of my lead magnets have effectively like served their purpose. So what I do is when someone gets one of my lead magnets, I immediately send them links to all the rest of my lead magnets so they can download any other one that's interesting to them. Oh, okay, interesting. And so you understand these lead magnets. Um, you understand exactly what your, your target audience wants because you've had these conversations and they've told you that these are their uh, frustrations or these are their you know, main... Uh, priorities in their business, right, that they're trying to achieve? So I actually, I mix it up a little bit there and I recommend everyone else like do the same. So I think that you've got a balance between what your audience wants and then like what you're comfortable like creating content around or what you know like to talk about. So for us, it's a little bit of a mix, right? That some of the stuff, it was people like, you know, giving me feedback and so I went out and created it. But most of my lead magnets were just things that I was like, I know that I could sit here and I could like write this and it would help at least a couple of maid services, right? And like it was just that that simple to me, right? Of like, oh, like I've got this article like sitting in my head, you know, of like this is how I dealt with something or like this is why, you know, every maid service should um, should always collect credit card information, for example, right? That I didn't care if not many people would find that useful. I just knew that it was something that I could write and present a strong argument for, so I created it right and so like for, for that it's just you know i don't want listeners to like you know make excuses right if you've got something that you can write about that'll help your audience and will help them to run better businesses or to be like more successful in whatever it may be just like create it and put it out there and chances are it'll help get you some attention excellent great advice here so you're telling us uh, don't only provide one lead magnet provide six or seven that you think that they should have that would be really helpful for them and by doing so, you're engaging reciprocity. Um, you know, you're feeling like they owe you something because you've helped them so much. You've given them so much value. You also mentioned something else that I really like, and I actually call this like the the rule of three, and uh, it's to make relationships stick. I got this from Keith Ferrazzi from the book Never Eat Alone. Uh, I always advise people to communicate through three different mediums, whether it's online or you know through a Skype call like such as this. So you actually use a Facebook group. You have an email newsletter and you have your blog, you have your lead magnets, and by communicating through that with them through these different mediums, you make them feel like uh, they know you better, it makes them adhere to, uh, it makes your brand stick in their mind, basically. Yeah, definitely. Um, some people may have heard the, um, I don't even know what it would be called, like the saying, but um, supposedly <clears throat> uh, people have to see like your brand or your product seven times uh, before like they'll be uh, ready to, uh, to to buy. And I always thought that was silly, but it's actually a goal that I set now for for ZenMade that we just we just try to communicate with them on like as many as many channels as we can uh, as we can find them on. And you're right, like I never really thought about that, but it's the same way that if you if you meet people in different 
different places, right? If you if you meet someone like for dinner and then after dinner you walk over like for drinks, it feels like you've known them for longer because you hung out with them in like two separate like environments. It's kind of like the, the same thing there, like what you know what you were just saying, right? Is when you talk to people through email and then through Facebook and then you talk to them like over the phone, they really, really feel like they know you. Yeah, it's very, very effective. And I, you can apply this um, in a variety of uses. You know, whenever I'm trying to, um, you know, build a relationship, if there's somebody I want to interview for my podcast or someone I want to connect with, like, I'll try to find different ways that I can connect with them, you know, so I won't only just, like, cold email them. I'll also, you know, add them on Facebook. I'll also follow them on Twitter or share one of their posts on Instagram or something like this, you know, so that they can see my name pop up more often so they know who I am. That's, that's a, one of the best ways to accelerate that that building of that relationship. Absolutely. Yeah, something else I was going to say, but uh, I haven't had enough coffee this morning yet. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Anything that you want to, to add or anything that I, um, I missed? Uh, I don't think so, no. I think that was uh, pretty, pretty, pretty comprehensive. I don't, I don't know if you have any follow-up questions or whatever. Uh, there, there was something I wanted to add, but um, yeah, just not a morning person. Uh, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So let's let's move on. And um, one other question I wanted to, a couple other questions I want to ask you before I ask you a little bit more about marketing. Um, have you explored any ways to increase your value generation with your, um, whether it's from your pricing, the way that you price, or um, increasing the lifetime value of your customers? Have you tried to create new products for existing customers? How have you um, been able, what steps have you taken to get more profit from transactions? We are in the process of doing that right now. It's a uh, good good timing on the uh, on on the question. So we've got a wide variety of things that we're that we're trying to implement right now. So the first thing that we already did is we had a couple um, we had a couple of resources that we had created that were, that were around Google AdWords, and we had a couple people that were asking if you know we offered Google AdWords services. So one of my friends, we partnered with him, and we literally just go 50-50, and he takes care of the AdWords clients that come to us. And so we don't have to do anything to fulfill that, but it adds just a little bit of money, you know, to to our bottom line, right? Like maybe uh, like low low four figures on like on a, on a good month, but usually at least like a couple hundred dollars like a month right that it just like adds to the to the bottom line right so that was one thing uh we've started offering uh websites actually through um through one of the vas that i work with she like put together a website service and so we've started introducing her to our customers uh to build websites for them a little bit um but next month, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be doing our first video course. So I'm actually going to be teaching a video course for maid services on digital marketing. So that's going to be going over the, um, the 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 basics that like their website should have, for example, you know, social proof and whether or not they should have pricing information, and then actually teaching them about lead magnets and capturing emails, and then like email marketing and stuff like that. And so we'll be we'll be doing that next month and potentially we'll do like a done for you service like along um along with that it, it just depends on like how much how much like um how many like systems and stuff we we can get in place you know we, we just need to figure out what we would actually be able to uh, to fulfill because quite a bit of that like i haven't actually done before but i know it's possible 
Yeah, that's great. And I think that's where the biggest opportunity is, right? Because one of the best and surest ways to increase profit is to offer new products to existing customers. Uh, you have 200 customers currently that you could offer new resources to. And we actually, I talked to this about this with um, Russ Perry, who we interviewed on this podcast. He started Design Pickle. It's a productized service for uh, graphic design. And he created this uh, course. It's called Pickle University. It's four weeks to brand and marketing strategy. And I think it's like a $3,000 course uh, that he offers just to his existing customers. And just from like making like, I think like six or seven sales, like he, he was able to get like 20 grand in a single day. Uh, yeah. Of course. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's crazy. Cause I think what we're looking at is, um, I think that's a really, really good idea to, um, yeah, to, to build up like some, some revenue and stuff and to help like pay for some, for some development and for like, for, for some other things. And, uh, it's, it's, it's actually a great way to help the customers, right? That that product, I bet you added a ton of value to his, um, to, to his customers to get better use out of design pickle. And that, that's like, that's our goal with some of the stuff that we're doing upcoming with, um, with, with Zenmate that we, we've really become, uh, focused on, like on the customer. Hey, Mar, I think I'm getting, uh, some noise from your shirt. I think it's rubbing against the mic there. Oh yes. Sorry about that. That's okay. It almost it almost sounds like a a screaming baby. Like (laughs) (laughs) it's it's some weird, weird Nike material that that, that's why it's not like a normal cotton shirt. Oh like polyester or something? Yeah, some something like that. It's one like the athletic materials, but yeah it makes it makes a weird sound when you rub it. (laughs) Probably very comfortable though, I'm sure. Very, very comfortable. Yeah, I, I didn't think about that before before we jumped on. Sorry. <laughs> that's okay. Um, well, so that's a great point, though. So the real asset, if you want to take like a uh, important takeaway from this interview, is that audience and that customer list that you've spent now four years to build. Once you have that, it's yours forever, basically. Like you said, you could get hit by a bus tomorrow, and your system is still running for the next two years. It's still delivering value for you. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And uh, recently, we've been thinking more and more about like, you know, what happens if like the software goes under. And so like, uh, I think a year ago, we probably would have just shut down immediately. But you know, now we've built up this audience, there's there's a lot of other things that we could potentially like offer to them and sell to them. So even if the software, you know, stopped working, we could still we could still make like a, a nice, nice amount of money from like from the assets that we've uh, that we've created along the way. And I find that's really the best long-term strategy with uh, everyone I've talked to, you know, like they've been doing, like Sean D'Souza, he's a marketing expert. Uh, he's been doing it for like a decade. That's why he has such a, he's able to sell these high-priced products is that long-term strategy is build that audience, build that following, build that customer list. And once you get them, keep them around and they're yours for life, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And that's, that's basically the ticket to creating the, uh, the lifestyle freedom that you want. So um, one other thing I wanted to ask you, we talked about this briefly before the interview, it was um, you have a course on marketing through LinkedIn. It's marketing on linked.in. Yes, that's and correct. I, I like uh, I like URLs like that. Um, <laughs> yes, there, there, there's no .com on the end of that. It's just uh, marketing on linked.in. Um, and so essentially our... 
are like surprise biggest um, biggest lead source for Zenmade has come from LinkedIn because some of the targeting options that they offer that Facebook and uh, and Google AdWords don't offer. And so both Facebook and Google AdWords are also working quite well for Zenmade. But uh, I I came up with a um, or I you know I, I like went through and essentially um, implemented a system on LinkedIn that gets us a consistent you know lead flow like from LinkedIn on a regular basis and so essentially I have a book that I'm I'm still finalizing but I've had I think 10 or 15 friends now that have um, that that have like read the book and gone through and implemented like the stuff with my help um, you know on like on LinkedIn and so I um, yeah you know I probably pretty much just shared like what I did and what what worked for for us you know it's a lot of the stuff that we've already talked about on here of just sending people to the lead magnets and having like the email funnel but I talk a lot about like the targeting and the strategy to get in front of them a variety of like different ways on there so I don't know it, it was just something that I thought would um, would, would help people and I hadn't seen anyone else like do before so I thought I'd just uh, I'd share yeah I think LinkedIn is a gold mine but uh, so many people haven't figured out like what exactly am I supposed to do here because um, you know, I have over 500 contacts I think but I've never actually got a single customer uh, so I really wouldn't know where to begin and um, this book I'm looking at it, it says that you can combine LinkedIn groups direct messaging and paid advertisements to grow your yep. business uh, do you do you mind giving yeah. me like a little overview of your strategy or just like some some takeaways yeah, here? Yeah, definitely, definitely. I think that yeah. that'd be helpful for you. Um, so <laughs> where do I start? Uh, so, so yeah, I, I, I yeah I can I can make it really quick. So the way that I have like the book or the strategy set up is I focus on the free strategies first, and then the last section of the book is on paid advertising on LinkedIn, which um, I absolutely love and think is like is very effective. But just, you know, in case you you want to start out free first, or you know, you're just starting your business, that's that's what I thought would make like the most sense. So essentially what you do is you start out by joining all of the groups on LinkedIn that have your target audience, right? And you just uh, try to get active on like on those groups. There's a lot more to it than that. That's really glossing over it. But I have a chapter on like, um, you know, like getting in contact with people and responding and adding value to people like in those groups. And essentially, as you, um, you know, get in contact with more people on those groups, you can begin to add them to your contact list. You know, if you help them out on like a thread or you start messaging back and forth with them, like directly, you can begin to build like your contact list. And then from there, what you can do is you can start direct messaging. Those people is like, once you add them, you can drop them a message. Like, I think Danny, you're actually already doing something, um, similar to this. I think was what we were telling before, um, with like, with, with another social media channel of like connecting with people directly and then sending them a message. Well, like on LinkedIn, people tend to get, you know, some messages, but not too many. And a lot of them are obvious spams. So if you write a message that's not obvious spam, oftentimes it's going to like get through to people, especially if they recognize your name from like a conversation that you guys were like, we're having there. Right. And so I've got a bunch of strategies about like both of, um, of those two, um, with, with getting active in groups, uh, the messaging, and then also getting in touch with the administrators of groups to be able to, you know, uh, well, yeah, there's a wide variety of things that you can do if you can get in touch with an administrator who can post something on your behalf. You know, it depends on like what you're like you're trying to do. And then from there, the amazing thing about LinkedIn 
is that with their paid advertising, you can run paid advertising and target only people in specific groups. So what you do is you take like, I don't know, like, a week or a couple of weeks to get really active in a couple of groups so people begin to like to recognize your name if they're just looking at those groups even on a weekly or monthly basis and then what you do is you run advertising for whatever you're promoting just to members of that exact group and so what happens is it's a simple way to get in front of people you know two three different ways on the same channel and then you know you send them like a private message and um you know you end up hitting them from like from a couple different sides and so for us we advertise general like lead magnets things that don't have to do with our software and our conversion rates from from linkedin are very very high i mean we're talking people that click over from there give us their email address like you know 60 percent of the time or something it's just really really high quality traffic Awesome. I love it. So, you know, even though I've never sold on LinkedIn, I, I just, uh, I love how the strategy is kind of basically the same. It remains the same. You just change the media. You know, you find your market, you, you find the right messages to send them, and then you just get in touch with them. Basically, it's as simple as that, right? Yeah, exactly. What, what I think that it is, is I think that it's about, I mean, not everyone has like the, the time or resources, or maybe it's not what you should be focusing on. But at some point, you should essentially test out pretty extensively, like the different social media options that you have, you know, with where like your 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 audience is, right, where like your potential customers are, and see what each channel is good for. Because like LinkedIn is really good for me to make the initial outreach. But once I'm in contact with them, I I try to get them over to Facebook as quickly as I can because if I get them into our Facebook group, they're never going to forget like our brand or our name, right? But I find that Facebook is not as good for reaching people that like I've never met before and like don't have like friends in common with, for example. Whereas LinkedIn, you know, I can just look up are they a maid service owner, yes or no, and I can just use that information to reach out. Yeah, I love that. And that's a great hint there, too, is that you know everything is a test. You never know what's going to work uh, before you implement it. So you just need to test things as quickly as you can, as low-tech as you can, because you were just saying, uh, hey, guys, send me your email in the beginning, and uh, I'll send you something. And you really just got to put yourself out there, put one foot out there, and just see if it works or not. And that's, that's basically how you start, right? Start exactly. Awesome. Well, there's been so many great... Uh, insights and takeaways from this discussion. Thank you so much, Amar. Yeah, definitely. Thanks for thanks for having me on. I really, I really appreciate the opportunity. And um, can I uh, leave like my, my personal blog for people to just get in, get in contact with me if they're interested after the call? Yeah, sure. So I'd like to get information if uh, someone wants to uh, get more from you. And if there's any kind of advice or anything you want to summarize for people, I would love that too. Uh... No, I think I would just, uh, I'd like to encourage people to uh, to, to reach out to me. Uh, they can contact me directly at uh, my, it's my name, amargosh at gmail.com. Uh, people can just drop me like a message, uh, message directly, anything you want to chat about marketing, your business, I don't know, uh, just like introduce yourself because um, I'm always looking to meet, uh, to meet like other nomads or, um, you know, aspiring nomads and everything. Uh, it's like probably one of my favorite, favorite groups of people to, uh, to hang out with. And then for me, for my personal blog, uh, my personal blog would be United States of America, so uh, A-M-A-R instead of A-M-E-R, so United States of America.com um, if people want to 
follow me uh, follow me there or like join my like my email list I occasionally send out uh, stuff I don't know it's quite catchy it's quite a catchy name there <laughs> yeah I, li- I like it a lot so you mentioned that you're a digital nomad and we promised to talk about travel a little bit uh, maybe just tell me a little bit about your lifestyle today maybe provide a little inspiration or some hope to those of us out there who might have be where you were four years ago working as like a valet driver or working in a meat factory or whatever it is. <laughs> yeah, de- definitely. I- I've been traveling. Uh, I've been traveling pretty much full time for the past two and a half years. So I spend an average of two months back um, in the United States each year. So right now I'm actually in Palo Alto, uh, where I am, where I grew up. That I had a industry event last week, and then I have another one in um, in September that I'll be back uh, back for then. And so then the other ten months a year. I'm traveling. Uh, I've spent quite a bit of time in uh, in Thailand now. I think I spent about six months or so in Thailand. I've been to India a couple times, and then I've been spending quite a bit of time in Europe. So I haven't made it to um, to South America. I really, really want to go to Argentina, um, but r- right now I'm I'm sticking around Thailand, and actually I'm actually going to be settling down there for like six months or a year, most likely, uh, to really just uh, just focus on on work before you know exploring the world a little bit little bit more. Oh, awesome! So you'll be coming back to Thailand. That means we'll have a chance to link up again sometime soon. Yeah, definitely. I think it'll be June. I'll be back, and I, I, it looks like I'm going to be going to, uh, to to Chiang Mai, but my business partner should be in Bangkok because he's doing the nomad thing as well, so I'll be down in Bangkok and should be seeing you uh, hopefully pretty often. Uh, great. Well, looking forward to it, man, and congratulations on your success. It's definitely not a bad life that you've created. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it allowed me to uh, to run into you and hang out on like I think it was what a Friday afternoon or something. Like Friday, like most of the day, we just got to hang out in Bangkok. Like I'm not I'm not complaining. That wouldn't have happened if I was working a job in San Francisco still. Yeah, it's it's really just the the freedom, you know, be able to go where you want to go, be able to wake up when you want, um, not have to answer to anyone. Makes it all worth it. I think it's about being able to work out in the middle of the day. To me, that's like the biggest one. Is just like two o'clock in the afternoon. You want to go to the gym? You can just you can go to the gym, or you can do it at ten a.m. Like that's so convenient compared to when I had to be in an office every day. Like, oh my goodness, I could not imagine if I had to uh, commute here to an actual job each day in Bangkok because I would have to be sitting in traffic for like three hours a day. Uh, you know, rushing to wake up on time, you know, waking up to the alarm, uh, you know, just feeling like I don't want to be here. Like, I, I know how that must feel. And I just so, I feel so blessed and so grateful that I don't have to do that. I can just wake up when I want. I, I can chat with you in sandals and yeah. polyester Nike t-shirt if I want. And, uh, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. That's great. For 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 any uh, for any listeners that are still in that position, just make make use of that commute time, right? Like listen to more podcasts and like do do stuff that like moves your moves your business or stuff like forward and you'll you'll get there get there eventually cuz I, I had that before. That was literally commuting 3 hours a day for for almost 2 years and that was that was while I was building this business that I was working full time uh, and had like that commute and was and was doing this like on the uh, the side so you know we we've all we've all been there at some point Yeah that's excellent advice there's uh, one guy um, Scott Turo he's a multiple best selling author and he's written multiple books about uh, he he's sold over 25 million copies of his books he's written 11 books and seven uh, movies have been made on his books. 
And he wrote all these books while commuting on the train as a practicing attorney uh, to his office job in London. So. <laughs> wow. Yeah, definitely great advice. So, you know, if you can find time to, to make this work, and if you follow the strategies, do exactly as Amar did, uh, follow the advice that you get in these podcasts, you can definitely create this lifestyle for you uh, and make it reality. So I know it's getting late there, Amar. Thank you so much for your time, and always a pleasure to chat with you, man. Yeah, definitely. I'll see you in, uh, in Bangkok soon, Danny. Yeah, looking forward to it. All right. Thanks again for having me.